Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 159. Our Sunday worship service for April 5th, 2020 is proof. It is the fifth in the series, The Life, and our Palm Sunday service. You are the proof you've been looking for. So our scripture today is Luke 19, 39 through 40. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Now, I, I know I say pretty much every week, there's probably a supercut somewhere of me saying, I love this part of scripture, but I do love it all. But there's something amazing about this particular passage. I mean, you've heard it before because it's the Palm Sunday thing. It's the thing that we always read when we're thinking about what goes on on Palm Sunday, about Jesus's march into Jerusalem and all of the things that are going on. And this story has a lot of all the things. There's a lot of things going on in this story. Here comes Jesus riding on a donkey, and we know that that's really, really symbolic Think about what that means in accordance with prophecy or think about what that means that he doesn't come in on a war horse. You know, this is a peace moment. He's sending a very deliberate message. And over and over again in this part of scripture, Jesus is sending very deliberate messages. He comes in through the eastern gate. That's in alignment with prophecy about how the Messiah is going to show up. The people put down palm fronds and that's in accordance with what goes on back in the book of Maccabees, uh, right after the Hanukkah stuff that goes on. Every single moment is attached to something that everyone there would have known about. Every single moment is incredibly symbolic down to that part. And here's the part that we just read to you. The people are freaking out. They're so happy because they get who this is. That's important, too, because if you know the story, there's a lot of times that people didn't really understand who Jesus was, what he was about, how this was all going to work or any of it. Right. But in this moment, everything kind of clicks and everybody knows and they're so happy that he's here. They know that this means something so much so that they have to celebrate and they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and, and all of that. Not everybody was excited, though, you know, the story. As the, as the scripture says, the Pharisees said, Jesus, can you get these people to shut up? I mean, we don't want to make waves. There are people like that in the world even now, even in the presence of true love, real greatness, genuine inspiration, answers, some kind of breakthrough, something finally starting to shift and change. There is that voice sometimes in our own heads that says, maybe we should just quiet this down. And in the story, the Pharisees say, Jesus, can you please keep these people quiet? They're making a lot of noise. There's probably sound ordinances. We don't want to get a ticket. And there's the line. Jesus says, I tell you, if these people were quiet, the very stones would cry out. In other words, the fabric of the universe, the bedrock upon which all of this stuff is built, will testify to the idea that it's time for something new. There's so much symbolism there, so much meaning there. It's so beautiful and so intense in such a little package. It's incredible. And that meaning is something I think that we all really want. I mean, I don't know if you're like me. I grew up in church, and so I have very distinct memories of approximately 5 million Palm Sundays as a kid. They all kind of run together. And one of the things that they all have in common is at the church and churches that I went to throughout my childhood, the deal was 
that they'd get all of the Sunday school kids in the lobby, kind of off to the side where nobody in the sanctuary could see, and they give us all palm fronds. And at some particular time, the minister, who was my mom or my dad, you know, the minister would say, oh, hey, bring in the kids. And they, you know, they'd do some kind of thing. But we didn't see that part. We didn't hear the lesson because we were too busy in the lobby with our palm fronds. But the idea is we would come in and we'd lay all the palm fronds on the main aisle of the church. And then after some kind of a blessing, the preacher would say a couple of words and then everybody would leave together walking across those same palm fronds. And as a kid, I didn't really know. I knew it was supposed to mean something. I wanted it to mean something. I had a sense that Easter's about to come and I know that's a big deal. Jesus is in and through this whole thing and I know that's everything. But I don't know. I can't connect to this. I don't really know what happens. I know that there's some kind of an idea that we lay down the palm fronds like they did for Jesus and then we all walk across them. And I get as a kid that there's this idea that we are all walking in his path. He's our way shower. Okay, good. But I don't know what any of that means. Not really. What does it mean to walk on sticks? I mean, I, I don't get it. And so I, even as a preacher's kid and every other kid, in that lobby every single year would get to the point where they go, I know this is supposed to mean something, but I don't know what it's supposed to mean. And you know what? Maybe we should just hit each other with these palm fronds. And I guarantee you, I mean, you're not going to see it this year because of obvious reasons, but in any other year, if you look in a church lobby on a Palm Sunday, you're going to see 23 kids acting out Return of the Jedi with palm fronds and some poor Sunday school teacher trying to quiet them down without making a big fuss. I think some churches have even given up on the palm fronds and done other things because of that. I get it. But what I didn't get was the connection, you know? And so we've got this moment of symbolism and no point to the symbols. And that might sound like a childish thing, but I mean, think about how many adults you know who are just kind of going through the motions in their life. I know this thing, this job, this relationship, this situation, my relationship with my own physical body, my bank account, you name it. I know it's supposed to mean something, but I have nothing. And so I'll just go through the motions. And sooner or later, violence is part of that too because frustration has got to go somewhere. There's a lot of adults acting out the equivalent of hitting each other with palm fronts because they're so frustrated that they can't connect with anything deeper. This is what everybody's hungry for, young or old or anywhere in between. This is the deal. And so I'm trying to tell you that, yes, it's true. A lot of people have come to the idea that their life isn't supposed to mean anything. You're just supposed to get through it. But you know better. And the reason that you might feel frustrated sometimes is because you know better. And what we have here in this Palm Sunday moment, this incredible story, is a blueprint for how to get past that and into a life that actually means something, into a life that, that actually works, you know? Into a life where we don't feel like we got to hit each other, you know? This is what's on the table today. And it doesn't take a lot. Think about the fact with me that Jesus made a whole bunch of trips into Jerusalem. He, he did that a lot. It's like making your connection flight uh, in Atlanta airport. It's the kind of thing where everybody has to do it. Jesus went to Jerusalem a lot. But this time was different. 
And I always thought it was interesting that he goes to such great lengths to make sure that he is doing everything in accordance with prophecy, coming in the right gate, riding the donkey, doing all of those things that are really, really meaningful. And it's kind of funny because you know Jesus. He doesn't really stand on ceremony. He's not really big on that. That's kind of the point of what he was doing. So why now? He even goes so far, if you know the story, you know this. He even goes so far as before the entry into Jerusalem happens, he goes and tells the disciples, look guys, I know that if you go into the town, there's a donkey in a certain place and just go get that donkey. It's a special one. He's telling them something. It's the equivalent now if I were to say, okay, if you go three blocks east and one block north, you're going to see a powder blue El Camino with a best of bread eight track in the player. I mean, it's very, very specific. Don't, don't drive that car. But anyway, it's very specific. And the idea is Jesus is saying, guys, I see something that is about to happen. I see something and therefore we're going to have to do something. This is important. Here's what I'm trying to say. If you want your life to have meaning, if you want to finally connect with something so you don't feel like you're just floating around from one meaningless thing to another meaningless thing, if you want to actually put your feet down on something solid, on the bedrock of your life, find something that you see and connect through it into something that you do. And only then will you see the miracle, the healing, the results, the functionality that you've been praying for. That's how this works. And if you look at the story, over and over again, there's this pattern that Jesus follows. And you see it absolutely in this particular story. But you see it actually in every single prayer that works in the Bible. You see it actually in every single moment where there's a hero arc. And when you think about it, when you look back at your own life, at the things that actually worked instead of you having to go through them kicking and screaming, the things that actually worked followed this pattern too. And the pattern is very simple. First, you see potential. Now, that can mean I know that there's some work that can be done. I know that this, this can be improved. I know that there's something bigger on the inside than what I see on the outside. Specifically in the story, Jesus sees that this is the time to live up to the prophecy, right? You see the potential there. You see that there's work to be done. So it starts with your vision. And then the second step is that vision gets carried through into action. So in other words, I see that there's some work to do. I'm going to do the work. I see that there's an opportunity for healing. I'm going to be a force for that healing. Specifically in the story, I see that we've got to get to Jerusalem. So off we go. So you see something. It's about vision. And that vision gives way to action. And then and only then, when you see the thing, when you do something about it, then and only then do you get results. That's what we all want, right? We want something to change, something to shift around. You want results. That's how it works. Now, in our own lives, when you see something and you do something, you see the results. Maybe you lose a couple of pounds if this is a weight loss thing. Maybe you, you actually see the potential for an advancement. You ask your boss for a raise. You get that situation. For example, there's big and small versions of this over and over again, but they all follow the same pattern in the story. The results are everyone celebrates. The stones cry out and ultimately Easter morning happens. And that's kind of what we want in our own lives, you know. See it, do it, then experience it. That's the deal, right? 
And it's really interesting to think about the idea that this is basically a 180 from what most people do in their lives. I mean, think about it with me. So many times you hear people say or effectively see them do in their lives, well, I'm not going to do anything about it until I know. You know, I want proof and then I'm going to move. I want results and then I will go do the thing. For so many people, the pattern is a 180 from it because they wait to see a thing and then maybe they'll do something differently in their lives about it and then maybe they'll believe something different. And it doesn't work. Think about every dysfunctional situation in your life. It probably follows that pattern. I'm not going to do anything until I know I'm completely validated. Exactly zero hero stories work that way, right? Exactly zero love stories work that way. Exactly zero victories in the Bible, in the movies, in your life work that way. It doesn't work. Can you think of a situation where it's not a good idea to wait until it's happening before you do something to get ready for it? Come on. Big and small, right? And we can talk about why. I mean, it looks like fear and cowardice to me, but it doesn't even matter why. People create that distance. They're afraid. Maybe it's a self-esteem thing. Doesn't matter why, right? It's not the point. The real question is, how's that working for you? And I think that's a beautiful thing to start asking yourself in all kinds of areas of your life. How's it working for me? How's it working for me to be afraid? Is it really effective? How's it working for me to get my ego out in front of me? How's that working? You know, if you want something that works, it's time to flip that pattern around and start with vision. That's all you got to do. And I know that that seems challenging, but you know, gosh, if only there was something that would happen in our lives that would just cause us to have to reboot everything and really evaluate. If only there was something that happened that really interrupted all of us just going through the motions. If only... Look, I'm not saying that this is what we prayed for. Of course it's not. And of course there's very serious things that need to be done and we're going to be very careful and very intentional and we're going to step out in terms of love and healing. Very important. I'm not saying that this is what we prayed for. But I am saying that if we take this moment to reboot and reevaluate, to switch around the way that we respond and interact with the world, this can be an answer to prayer. It's not the thing we prayed for, but it can be the answer to what we prayed for. If we take a minute and just switch out the way that we respond to the world and switch out what we see, that's what we're being called upon to do. Now, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't look for evidence in the real world. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't want something to happen based on what you say and do and think. Of course you should want results. I don't want anybody going to a church where they say, of course this isn't going to change your life, but someday you can die. That's not helpful. I don't want anybody being in a relationship where it's just a bunch of empty promises where they never follow through with anything and you don't receive any love back in some idea if I loved them a little bit more maybe they would. That ain't going to work, right? I don't want anybody having that kind of weird love affair with their life either. You should expect results, but here's the deal, guys, and you know this. Results happen at the end of the process, right? The farmer doesn't go, well, once I know there are crops, I'm going to plant some seeds. There is nothing about an acorn that suggests an oak tree. It's not proof of an oak tree. An acorn is a prophecy of an oak tree. And so what I want for you and for me is to start, stop looking for proof and start looking for prophecy. Because the problem with proof is it's a material thing, right? And that sounds good, but really think with me. How many material things actually solve the problem for you? You know, 
How much money does it take to where you're not afraid about the whatever it is? People say, you know, I really want to meet somebody who makes me dinner just like mama used to. Well, that's not love. That's kind of weird and maybe Freud should get involved in this situation, you know? That's not love. It might be a sign of love. But what you don't need SpaghettiOs. You need love, right? If I get that car, everything's going to work out. You don't need the car. You need happiness. And if you ain't happy, you're going to be just as insecure and frustrated with a nice car, right? You know this. We talk about it all the time. What I'm trying to say is maybe, just maybe, the thing you want isn't a material thing anyway. So what good is proof? Now think about that with me. What is proof after all? It is a material thing. We've just decided that maybe that's not what we want. It's a material thing that happened sometime in the past. Well, if we don't really want material things, and what we're interested in is the future, then maybe we're using the wrong tool to fix the wrong problem. Like I said, what if we stop looking for proof and start looking for prophecy? What if it's a matter of seeing something different? There is a promise of something that it's time to start looking for. So like I said, what I'm calling you to do and what Jesus called upon us to do is look deeper than appearances. Because by appearances, there's just a guy riding into town on a donkey. But there's so much more in that story, right? So what if we decide to stop stopping with the surface? That's what we're being called upon to do. It has to do with rewiring our brains a little bit, rewiring our hearts a little bit. And I know that that sounds like a lot. It seems like, I can't do that. I can't decide to see differently. I can't, you know, teach an old dog new tricks. But you know what? There's a lot of old dogs that have learned how to use Facebook, if you know what I mean, because of all of this. There's a lot of people that have now incorporated Zoom and Skype and FaceTime into their vocabulary. We can figure this out, guys. You want proof that you can rewire your expectations? You can rewire what you see? You're living in it. <laughs> the other day, uh, Jenny and I were in uh, the parking lot of Target. We had to go to the store to buy some stuff. And uh, we were being very careful. We parked a million miles away from the, the front door of the store, and we got out. And you do that nowadays, you probably do this to sort of that Jason Bourne situational awareness where I'm picking out, okay, they're 30 feet away, they're 20 yards away. You know, you do the thing. It's funny how quickly we've adapted to that, kind of my point. But as we were walking from a million miles away from our car to the front door of Target and noticing that there were some scattered other pedestrians around, we all heard somebody sneeze. And it was like E.F. Hutton spoke. I'm dating myself. But the point is, everyone got quiet. Everyone went into high alert and everyone locked in on this person. They just sneezed. People sneeze. It's allergy season, whatever. It happens. But you better believe that six weeks ago or six months from now, people just sneeze in parking lots. It's okay. But in this moment, we have rewired our expectations to decide that that means something that it never meant before. And I would argue soon will never mean again. We'll get there. But the point is, we have the power to react to things differently very quickly. And what I want is for you and me for everybody else to catch the idea virus. What if we rewire ourselves to look for prophecy, for opportunities for faith? What if we rewire ourselves to respond not just to the idea that we're all doomed or whatever, because there's plenty of those ideas. We've had them before. We'll create them again when we get bored next time. 
But what if we rewire our brain and our expectation to look for opportunities to rise above, to look for opportunities to remember that we're all in this together? That's what's on the table. There's a commercial on TV, and I'm sorry to say I've been watching a lot of TV lately. Can't imagine why. There's a commercial on TV lately for a website that helps you get jobs. And you've probably seen the commercial. It starts with a moon landing and the old Apollo moon landing situation. And they say, these astronauts did this thing. But they did this thing because of the people who are in mission control. And mission control did this thing because of the people who did all the math. And the people who did all the math did this thing because there's a guy mopping the floor. And all of a sudden, and I got to say, this is one of the blessings of all of this. All of a sudden, in a way that we never knew before, we're starting to realize that every single part of that chain is just as important as every other part. That every single person participating in this is incredibly vital, essential workers, to use the, the parlance of the day. And I don't know if that's the point of the commercial, but my takeaway from it is, Gosh, isn't it wonderful that we're starting to realize that every single human calling is beautiful? But you know that. I mean, when you really think about it, I think this situation has caused us to really look at it. But if you really sit down with your thoughts, you've always known that each and every person is worthwhile, that each and every moment is interconnected, that we really are all in this together. All I'm asking you to do is to take that to a metaphysical level. It's not just that we're connected physically because the guy that mops the floor makes it easy for the person to do the math, makes it easy for mission control, makes it easy for Neil Armstrong or whatever. What I'm saying is that on a deeper level, we are connected because we're all part of the same love with the capital L. We're all connected because we're God's kids. And if we start seeing life that way, something happens. When the Pharisees asked Jesus to shut the people up, he said, this can't be stopped. This can't be stopped. If I get these people to be quiet, the very stones, the fabric of the universe, the bedrock upon which our lives are built will echo out because you can't stop this when the time has come. The idea that we can all respond to a sneeze, maybe we can all respond to love if we look differently, is huge. And that is the message of Palm Sunday. What are you responding to? When Jesus rode into town, all of the people said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Ask yourself, what name do you come in? It's a deliberate action to carry a banner, so to speak, to decide on your choice of transportation and the way you come in the door, to do all of the things that align with prophecy. The very stones are crying out for that prophecy. And I want you to know that if you think about your life, Really think about it. Really look at it with new eyes. And you've been given the opportunity to work on that vision. If you look at your life, you will see along with me that each and every moment, each and every experience, each and every relationship, each and every conversation is a prophecy. The universe is calling out for you to be more than maybe you were ever told you were allowed to be. The universe is calling out for you. Your life up till now has been a prophecy of something. You are that acorn. You are that moment. So I ask you again, when you deliberately choose a banner, whose banner do you come under? Let's find ways to show the world what love looks like. 
let's find ways to show up. No, I don't know how this is all going to work, but proof and evidence and validation, they happen later. Your job is to see something in yourself and to get moving. And the results will come and they will make you better and they will set you free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. <laughs>